Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be your host today. If this is your first time listening, I would love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. This is the final week of a series we've been in for the last three months. This fall, we've talked about how our lives have echoes of a hero story. We see a hero, Jesus, who comes to save someone in distress, us. And because we've been rescued, we live a different life, one devoted to our Savior. And part of that devotion is a dedication to serving as a rescuer ourselves. That's where we're picking up today. We've been rescued to be rescuers. Jesus told us to take this message of rescue to those we care about deeply, our family, those we don't like at all, our enemies, and to those we don't know, to the ends of the earth. Let's finish up this series with our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. Father, so grateful that we can be here. And I pray that you help us to set aside the distractions that we brought into this room and give our full attention to you. We believe that you're here, and that's what makes the difference. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Guys, on September the 1st of this year, we did something that was pretty weird. We told you that uh, unless it was otherwise designated, we were going to give away all of the money that came into our church family that day, that week. We'd researched an organization called RIP Medical Debt, organization that was buying medical debt for pennies on the dollar and paying it off. They'd made national news, being supported by church, churches across the country, news organizations across the country, and we thought we might have the opportunity to do something that was really good for people we didn't know in our own area. Our target was about $22,000, which would purchase about $2 million of qualifiable medical debt that would service about 1,300 people in Franklin County and the surrounding counties. (laughs) For some reason, this church family got excited, really, really excited. Instead of 22 grand, this church family gave about $95,000. It was unbelievable. And instead of purchasing $2 million in medical debt for Franklin and a few other counties around us with an additional five grand from Hillcrest Baptist across town, we settled $10,548,199.19 of medical debt for 11,836 debtors from 27 counties in Kentucky. And for some reason, about 19 people in Indiana, four in Ohio, and even one in Nebraska. Why? (laughs) Why did our church family respond that way? Why did we get so excited about helping people that we didn't know? In fact, people we couldn't know. We had no ability to choose who was going to get the help. Computers did that based on some algorithms that factored in things like income levels, age of the debt, stuff like that. So why? Why did this church family step up like that? Why did this church family step up and give nearly as four times as much as we would normally receive in a week's offering? Now, those letters are about to go out next week or so to the people who are going to receive that help. Why are we so excited about the tears that are about to be shed and the hope that maybe even a few will be nudged towards Jesus? We don't know these people. So why does helping them stir us like that? You see, what we did is the kind of thing that does stir good people. 
We tried helping people that we don't know. We gave over and above. For some people, they even gave sacrificially to help people we don't know. That is so cool. And what's weird and cool is that it stirs us. Good people in our culture honor stuff like that. We honor our soldiers, don't we? How many times have our soldiers stood in harm's way for people they don't know? My son, Andy, spent a year in Bosnia. You know what he was doing there? He was protecting Muslims from the Christians who were bent on ethnic genocide. And I was proud of him. Good people in our culture honor our first responders, don't we? Cops, firemen, paramedics who run towards danger instead of away from it, usually to help people they don't know. I know they're paid to do it, but not enough. Why do their stories stir us like they do? And then there are others who aren't paid to run towards danger, but they do it anyway. Daryl Starnes, 71 years old. Curtis Combs, 49, driving separately. Both stopped when they saw a car that had crashed and was becoming engulfed in flames near Richmond, Virginia. One of them jumped into the car through the passenger window. The other one leaned into the car through the driver's window to untangle a woman they didn't know from her seatbelt when the passenger compartment was being engulfed in flames. Old guy said, I just did what I felt I needed to do. You don't think. Why did he feel like it was what he needed to do? What's inside of us that makes it feel that thing? What's inside us that makes us honor that thing? Christine Marty, Pittsburgh college student, driving home with her mom when they were caught in a flash flood. They escaped their car, but Christine found a 69-year-old woman, Romy Connolly, trapped in another car. The older woman couldn't swim. She'd had cancer. She was panicking. She was giving up. She says, I was losing strength. I'm just going to let go. Christine said to her, you know you're not. There's no way you're going to let go. And she prayed with her, and she talked to her, and she sang to her, and she saved the older woman's life. Why is that so cool? College kid rescues a 69-year-old woman she doesn't know from a flooding car. And she says, I'm so thankful I was able to act and not think about it. Why do stories of self-sacrifice grip us so? Why, why wouldn't we just shake our heads and mock such heroes for being reckless, maybe even stupid? There's an organization called the Carnegie Hero Fund. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but they have awarded over 10,000 Carnegie medals since it was founded in 1904 by Andrew Carnegie. They're there to honor civilians who risk their lives to rescue somebody, usually a total stranger. Here are just three of their six criteria. The, cri the rescuer must be a civilian who knowingly and voluntarily risks his life to an extraordinary degree. The rescuer must have actually rescued or tried to rescue another person. And the act of rescue must be one in which there is no full measure of responsibility that exists between the rescuer and the rescued, which means, if you want that in English, it's not their job. They're not paid to effect this kind of a rescue. They're not paid to risk their life. They just do it. And you read their stories, and it's ordinary people just ordinary people doing extraordinary things because there's something inside them. There's something inside you, us. People who study this stuff call it extreme altruism. I call it altruism on steroids. I think that's better. 
They're stories that make no sense from an evolutionary perspective. You see, nature is driven by the survival of the fittest. You don't sacrifice the strong for the weak. So those who have no sense of God are most befuddled by these stories. Why would any creature, a creature that is driven by the need to survive, to reproduce, and to take care of its own, why would any such creature do things like these or even honor things like this? People who study this extreme altruism say that this stuff is basically a first instinct. That's what they call it, a first instinct. Daryl says, I just did what I felt I needed to do. I didn't think. Christine says, I'm thankful I was able to act and not think about it because there's something in us that leans immediately towards helping someone that we don't know no matter what the cost. Something that's sometimes that's not rational. It's a far cry from, it's about me. This is, it's not about me. It's not about my pain. It's not about how my loss might affect my family. Someone needs help and I'm the one who's here. How many of you old guys here remember the name Todd Beamer? Anybody remember that name? You're old. He was an account manager, a fan of the Bulls, the Bears, the Cubs. Sunday school teacher, a fierce Christian, September 11, 2001. He was on United Airlines Flight 93 when it's hijacked by terrorists. They kill one of the passengers, force the pilot and the co-pilot out of the cockpit, and turn the plane towards Washington. Passengers on the plane find out that New York City and the Pentagon had been attacked, and they kind of figured their plane was next. So Beamer and some others on the plane decided it's time to act, no matter what the cost, no matter what the cost. He recited the Lord's Prayer, 23rd Psalm, and then Beamer said those famous words. Remember what they are? Let's roll. Let's roll. And they crashed the plane before the terrorists could use it as a weapon. They all died. And his words became a rallying cry for us for a time. Instead of words like, if it feels good, do it. Instead of words like, look out for number one, it became, let's roll. How cool is that? Might not win, we might not survive, but it's good, it's right, it's noble, so let's roll. And that stirs something in us, doesn't it? That's cool. And think of it like this. All of these stories, all the stories I've been talking about have been people risking their lives to save the physical life, the physical life of some stranger. How much more right, how much more good, how much more noble when a man or a woman who's been created in the image of God does whatever it takes to save the spiritual life of some stranger. Do you honestly think that's a lesser thing? You see, everybody that we save physically is going to die eventually. But someone who is saved spiritually gets eternal life. Eternal life. Do you buy that? Talk about heroes. My parents were pretty ordinary, just ordinary Jesus followers, people like most of you guys. For some possibility, they were gripped by the possibility of sharing Jesus with strangers. Now, my parents weren't young, starry-eyed kids. They had seven kids of their own. Four of us were college age or beyond, about ready to start popping out grandkids, which is about the only thing kids are good for, right, parents? My mom was so ready for grandkids. 
They packed up my youngest brother, my two youngest sisters, and they headed off for Africa where they spent the next 12 years. Why would they do that? Those 12 years beat them both down physically, crushed them. Absolutely crushed them financially. Dysentery, malaria, hepatitis, poverty. For what? Just to establish a few churches and baptize a few hundred people, which they did? Was it worth it? Were they heroes? Our budget here at Capital City next year is going to include support for three of our own, three families of our own. Chris Marissa Dove have moved to the Dominican Republic. He was our children's minister here for some time. They're going to take Jesus to people I don't know, you don't know, and they don't know yet, right? And I am so excited to help them. Aren't you? Danielle Thomas is working with at-risk kids down in Louisiana, and I'm excited to help her. Aren't you? Cameron dreams of sharing Jesus with Muslims. How gutsy is that? And I'm so proud of him. Aren't you? Guys, I don't think you can understand this stuff without some sense of God. I really don't. Why are we moved to sacrifice for those we don't know? Why are we so stirred by stories of selfless, sometimes even self-destructive Sacrificial love. And do you understand that extreme altruism is at its most extreme when we are bringing people face to face with Jesus, no matter what the cost. Saving a life is cool. It really is cool. Saving a soul, that's forever. So when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, that means at home, in Samaria, even taking Jesus to people you don't like and people who don't like you, and even to the ends of the earth, you'll even be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, he is not dumping on us some oppressive burden. He's giving us a gift. Jesus says it a lot. The most famous is what we call the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Last words in the Gospel of Matthew, his story of Jesus. Jesus says, I have been given all authority, all authority in heaven on earth, which means this is coming from the very top, right? Therefore, go, go make disciples of all of the nations, all of them, everywhere. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these, don't stop there, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you, and be sure of this, I will always be with you. You're not going to have to do this alone. Those words mean so much to us here at Cap City that they are the very heart of our mission statement. The reason for being, the reason we exist as a church. If you go out in the foyer, you're going to see it on one of our walls. Go and make Christ-driven 24-7 Jesus followers, Matthew 28, 19. That's why we're here. And we don't think that just means Frankfort, Franklin County, Central Kentucky. We think he means everywhere we can, anywhere we can touch. You buy that? Gospel of Mark, Mark's story of Jesus has some very disputed verses at the end of the, at the, end of the book. But whoever wrote those verses got this part right. Jesus says, go into all the world, all the world, all the world, and preach the good news everywhere to everyone. That's his commission to us. That's his gift to us. The hero of heroes has changed your life. 
tell people about him, he says, everywhere. Gospel of Luke, Luke's story of Jesus, puts it like this. Jesus says, it was written long ago that the Messiah, me, the Messiah is going to suffer, die, and rise from the third day. Done. It's proclaimed that this message of his death, burial, and resurrection is going to be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all of the nations, all of the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And that's our job. Why? (laughs) Because there's forgiveness of sins for anyone who repents. Forgiveness of sins for anyone who repents. How cool is that? How would you like to be the one to bring words that are going to change a life, save a life forever? That's what we get to do. So in the verses that we've been unpacked in this last month, these are Jesus' final words in the book of Acts. Right before he goes back into heaven, he says this, you're going to receive power, you're going to receive power, you're going to receive power, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and if you have become a Jesus follower, he has come upon you. He's there. And you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, even to people you don't know, even to people whose lives would never intersect with yours except for this mission that I'm giving to you. Those are his orders, clearly. So why do we do it? Just because he tells us to? Because he's the boss. All authorities in heaven and earth have been given to me, and those are his orders, so daggone it, I guess we have to. Because somehow we might get punished if we don't. He's God, right? And it's pretty stupid to go face-to-face with God. Not even close. Listen, guys, listen. There is something in us that lights up when we share Jesus. Do you believe that? I think it's the image of God in us. You are not an animal. You're not an animal. Some people think you are. They think you're just slightly more evolved animals. But you're different from the rest of the creatures on this earth. Of all of the creatures on this earth, you were the ones granted the image of God. So there's something in you that is stirred by what stirs God. Sometimes we smother his image in us. We force it way down. But listen, guys, there's a deep, deep drive in our God to save people. There's a deep, deep drive in our God to save people no matter what the cost. Our God is stunningly selfless. And so there is this passion in you to save someone who's hurting or lost because you've been created in his image. There is this willingness in you to save someone no matter what the cost. There is somewhere down deep in you, sometimes you bury it deep, but there's something in you that is stunningly selfless. It's the image of God in you. And when we feed that side of who we are, life gets rich. It's part of this weird thing that we call empathy. God planted in us the ability to understand and to feel the needs and the emotions of somebody else and care. We understand and we care, whether we know them or not. And you can even see it in babies. They tell us that when a baby cries, that if there are other babies nearby, they might start crying. 
And it's not just because there's a noise that startles them. They can play some other equally piercing sound and the baby doesn't respond the same way. Babies are actually responding to another person's needs and emotions. Care. We can quench that empathy. We have the absolute capacity to raise kids who are completely self-absorbed, who are completely skilled at blowing off the needs and emotions of others. Self-absorbed twits, right? But if a kid's raised right, then that selfless part of who we are is cultivated. We can become amazing creatures of God and live such a rich life. Listen, guys, this is going to sound weird. You were created in the image of God. You are not an animal. You were created in the image of God, and you are most human. You are most human when the image of God in you dances. I know there are some people who just live for themselves. They're just self-absorbed twits. What I want, what I like, what I need, what makes me happy, how I'm going to get ahead. They claim that they're that way just because they're only human. It's a lie. They are the least human of us. They are the most beastly. They are those who have repressed the image of God and them most successfully. We are the most human when we reflect the image of God. There are others who expand their circle a little bit. They still live for themselves, but they also live for their own. My family, my friends, those I like, those who like me, their circle of care is a little bit wider. Perhaps a little more human than those who are entirely self-absorbed, but they're still only a little more human. They still don't get it. They're still repressing the image of God in them. They're still little people. And some get it and actually begin to see people with God's eyes and feel with God's heart. They feel what he feels and they do what he does and they start to live outside themselves as God does. And they are the most fully human of us. And theirs are the richest lives. Jesus says, I came that you might have life to the fullest, to the fullest. And those who live outside themselves get the closest. So why do we care to take Jesus to those we don't know? Because God has planted something of himself inside us. It's who God is. It's what God does. It's what God did. And we are made to be like him. So when the image of God inside of us dances, that's when life dances. So let's roll. That's why taking Jesus to those we don't know is a huge part of what we are here at Capital City Christian Church. Sometimes we do focus on those who are close by. And sometimes the things we do don't seem very spiritual to people, right? This is week four of our Feed the Need. We have a food pantry here in Frankfurt that will serve thousands of families over the course of the year. We are a big piece of that. I think we're their biggest supporter. We send over truckloads of food to the food pantry. We're going to send over another truckload this morning. Do you think we're doing that just to fill some empty stomachs? Next week, we're going to start our giving wall. It's going to be right out there in the foyer. 
there's going to be a wall with a bunch of ornament, little paper ornaments hanging on it. They're going to have little things written on those ornaments. It's going to designate a gift that you can purchase for one of the organizations we have targeted this year. Hope's Closet, serving foster and adopted kids. Spread the Warmth Project. King's Daughter's Apartments, loving on some of our seniors. And the resource coordinators for the Franklin County Elementary Schools. How cool is that? Do you think we're doing that just to spread some Christmas cheer? We're starting to put together right now a gift box for every inmate at the Franklin County Jail. Isn't that cool? We want to make sure that they know that they're remembered and loved on during this Christmas season. So John has been working with the jailers to find out what we can put in those boxes. Right? We hope to fill them with stuff that's going to make their day and maybe even touch them with God's grace. We always make a big deal helping our schools, especially Elkhorn Elementary School. We've developed a partnership with Elkhorn Elementary. We help collect school supplies at the beginning of the year. We help their resource coordinators and the resource coordinators for every school in Franklin County to get the supplies they need to take care of some of their under-resourced kids. You think that's what we're about? Just resourcing those who are under-resourced? Did you know that we also have a Jesus-centered after-school program at Elkhorn Elementary every single week? Talk about a place to make a difference. If you want to get engaged in that, talk to Lisa Maddox, our children's minister. Some of you guys work the soup kitchen. That is so cool. Some of you guys work the women's shelter, sometimes just serving a meal. Sometimes, though, it puts you in a place where you can share Jesus. I've heard those stories. It's cool. See, I know that some of the stuff I've mentioned doesn't sound that spiritual, even though taking care of someone's physical needs is still a godly thing. It's a good thing. But way more than that, sometimes they won't care what we say if they don't know we care, right? Sometimes loving on people by taking care of their physical needs gives us the right and the opportunity and the credibility to give them something that is way more precious than food. Nudge towards Jesus. And that is our biggest job here at Capital City. That's what this RIP medical debt was all about, wasn't it? It wasn't just an opportunity to lift a financial burden off some people who were hurting, although that's pretty flat out cool. We hope, we pray that some of these people that we're going to help are going to feel the love and the grace of God through us. Jesus said, this is his words, he says, let your good deeds shine out for everyone to see. Why? So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And we're trying to live that out here at Cap City. So we hope and we pray that there are people who are going to reconnect with our God because of this gift. Are you willing to pray that for the next week or two as people get these letters? That there are people who will reconnect with the grace of God because of this gift? Others in our church family are doing things that are way more direct. Part of every dollar that's given here to the work at Capital City Christian Church goes to people who are taking Jesus around the world, which is so cool. We don't just support local missions like the Bluegrass Christian Camp that serves our kids or the Christian Student Fellowship, where UK students are served. Some of our money goes to support missions and missionaries who are a long way from here. 
Now, right now, Cameron is just in Louisville. But he's working to take Jesus way beyond our state. Danielle is down in Louisiana working with underprivileged kids. You are a part of that. You're a part of both of their work. Chris and Marissa are in the Dominican Republic. You're a part of that work. Marquis and Sidney Kessa, Thomas Profiter in Haiti. I think we've been the lead supporter for Thomas for decades. Powerfully good work. You're a part of that. We're the lead supporter, I think, for the Haitian Needy Children's Foundation, founded by our own Ramon Jacques, Mandi. We've sent numerous teams to Haiti to support those efforts. You're a part of that. Guys, periodically we send teams around our country. We send teams even outside of our borders. Short-term missions. And those people who go on those trips almost inevitably come back impassioned, empowered, and maybe even a little more fully human. I'd really encourage some of you guys to be looking for the next opportunity and go. But it's not just about what we can do together here as a church family, all that. That's part of why we band together. It's cool. There are things that you can do individually to take Jesus into your world. Some of you, this is dangerous, listen. Some of you might even feel God's nudge to go yourself. It's possible that God has been preparing you to go. And you may feel him nudging you to go. Is it going to cost you? Absolutely it will. Will it be worth it? (laughs) But even if you don't leave Frankfort, Franklin County, there are things you can do. You can adopt a kid. This is my kid in Brazil. Julie and I have been supporting kids through World Vision for over 40 years. Some of you guys have adopted kids through Compassion International. They're great organizations that take care of both the physical needs of these children and also nudge them towards Jesus. How cool is that? You can pray. You can pray for those who are out on the front lines. You can support personally those who are out on the front lines. Without our support, they can't get it done. We're part of their team. You can encourage them, a letter, a gift. You can find out what they're needing and figure out a way to help them get what they need right from here. It's a team effort, guys. There are way more needs than any single one of us can respond to. There's way more needs than our church family can respond to. But you can respond to one or a few. So how about about doing for one as you would if you could do for all? Did you hear that? How about doing just for one what you could, what you would if you could do for all? Because if a bunch of us do that, Capital City will be a powerhouse in the kingdom of God, and our God will be glorified. You believe that? Why don't you pray with me? Father, when we consider what you've done for us, it blows our minds. And then when we consider what you've asked us to do in response, that pales by comparison. Give us the wisdom and the courage to be people of God. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Don't fear. I've only got a couple of minutes and I'll let you out, okay? Just a couple of moments. 
Three weeks ago, I kicked off this little mini-series that we're calling Rescuers, and I kicked it off by showing you this picture. It's from one of my favorite superhero movies, Wonder Woman, great flick. As I said before, Diana, Wonder Woman, is an Amazon warrior, demi-goddess, she looks like one. She's on a mission to save the world. Eventually, she's surrounded by a band of misfits. Steve Trevor is a spy, pretty solid guy. Samir is a thief, a liar, a con man. Charlie's a shell-shocked sharpshooter. Broken man, he's seen too much. The chief is a smuggler who trades with both sides, both the Germans and the Allies. Following her lead, drawing on her courage, this band of misfits storm enemy strongholds, courageously fight house to house to free an occupied town. They go behind the enemy lines to turn the tide of the war. Despite their fears, their inadequacies, they do the stuff of heroes because when you love and follow a hero, you tend to do heroic things. And it struck me that their story is our story. That's our story. That's our picture. Of course, theirs is a myth, fantasy, fairy tale, movie. But here is a band of misfits following not a demigoddess, but the Son of God. Following his lead, we draw on his courage, his strength. We storm the enemy strongholds. We go from house to house way behind the enemy lines to rescue those that we can. Despite our fears and our inadequacies, we do the stuff of heroes because when we love and follow a hero, we find ourselves doing heroic things. Now let me show you some of our pictures. These are cooler. These are the pictures of some of us who are not just loving on people by taking care of their physical needs, as cool as that is, these are pictures of some of us who've done something to nudge someone towards a relationship with Jesus Christ which can save a soul forever. See, I don't want you just to look at the faces of those who are being baptized, although that's cool. I want you to look at the faces of the baptizers, the heroes. See their smiles? Sense their joy? Do you see the image of God dancing? And Jesus said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to receive power. You're going to receive power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he has. And you guys, he says, will be my witnesses. You're going to tell people about me everywhere. Jerusalem and Judea, starting at home. Samaria, to those you like and who you don't like, and those who don't like you, and even to the ends of the earth. We're trying to get it done. We're trying to erect a hell, like a, a wall in front of the gates of hell. That's what we're about. Now, do you see the faces of those baptizers? Could it be you next year? Could that be you? Can you imagine how cool that would be? Can you imagine how cool it will be in heaven to have someone come up to you and hear them say, thank you for the part that you played in my being here? Can you imagine what it will be like to let the image of God dance inside of you? We got work to do, guys.